Hello, Covey Caster, Covey Clubbers. It's Leslie Jane Seymour, and I have a great podcast for you this morning. I have Jana Brown, and what's wonderful is here is a mom living in New Hampshire who has a writer, and she's writing for the St. Paul Alumni Magazine. Okay, that's what she does, and she hooks up with a alumni who she happens to write a profile about who happens to be a movie star and a movie producer who wants to have somebody write a movie with him and she actually makes a connection and they write a movie together and she's never written a movie before and it becomes a real movie and they actually produce a movie and it wins all these awards and how cool is that and that's her reinvention her name is Jana Brown and it's just a wonderful story about finding a reinvention in an unexpected place and also about being open to reinventions when they jump in front of you. One of the interesting things I hear over and over again from all my reinventors is you have to be open to when a reinvention jumps in front of you. Many times they do jump in front of us, but we are not open to them. So let's welcome Jana Brown and her wonderful reinvention as a screenwriter. Welcome Jana Brown. All right, Jana, welcome. We're so glad to have you here today. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning to you. I'm really happy to be here with you. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about reinvention. Let's talk a little bit about your reinvention. And let's start out a little bit about your history, first of all, because you have a kind of interesting reinvention. Talk about where you grew up and, and how you got into your kind of reinvention. Well, I grew up in Massachusetts, and I went to Dana Hall School, which is our Yay, alma mater. Alma mater. <laughs> I have to give a shout out. Yeah, then uh, I went to Dartmouth College, and I studied government. Um, for a while, I thought I was going to go to law school, and uh, somehow I decided that didn't work. I think I always knew I was a writer, um, but part of me thought, I, I'm not sure if how I can make a living at that. You know, it, it was just something that seemed a little too far out, a little too creative, not as concrete. You know, I wasn't sure how to do that. Although right out of college for my first year, I actually worked as a sports writer and then eventually a news writer for the Salem Evening News in Massachusetts. So I was writing immediately, but I, I still wasn't really listening to myself, I think. Um, I ended up working at a publishing company, a medical publishing company, uh, just outside of Boston for about four years uh, until I ended up uh, realizing that I was more interested in writing the back cover copy than uh, than trying to acquire new medical books. So, right. um yeah, then I ended up at uh, um, a boarding school where I became uh, the, the school's chief writer and editor. Uh, and, and I remained there for 16 years. So, uh, that was, that was, yeah. So I, I was always pretty much writing, but, um, you know, it took a while for me to listen to what I really wanted to do. So talk about your big reinvention then, Jana. <laughs> Uh, so probably right before I turned 40, uh, I had been thinking for a while that I wasn't really sure that I was doing exactly what I wanted to do. I was writing and I was getting a lot of great experience as a writer. I had a really good job. 
Um, but I sort of wanted to follow more of a calling, I think. And it was at that time that while interviewing uh, an actor named Perry King for uh, just a brief article I was going to write for the alumni magazine uh, where I was working, uh, I just sort of felt connected to him. Um, and we started talking and decided that we were going to write a screenplay together. And he was an actor? Yes, uh, he's an actor. I, you know, I hadn't, I had worked at the school at that point for over 10 years and I didn't know that he had gone there. Um, I recognized his name when he wrote in a class note uh, and I was editing the class notes and discovered that he'd gone there and looked him up and found out, hey, this is the the guy my mother knew from a couple of shows, um, a show called Riptide in the 80s that he was a star of, um, a movie called The Lords of Flatbush, um, another movie The Day After Tomorrow. And he was just someone I recognized. Um, and I just thought I would write uh, I would write a one-page spotlight piece on him. And somehow it seemed like we were creatively connected right when we talked. And so how did you get this going? Just over, you guys had not actually met? Yeah, so for the first, for you know, for the first uh, several months, we talked on the phone about an idea he had for a screenplay. And uh, it, it was a comedy and it was fun. And I was become a screenwriter. I bought this software called Final Draft and, and it sort of um, taught me how to become a screenwriter. It formatted it for me very kindly. And uh, he, he, Perry sent me all sorts of screenplays to read. And I we talked all the time about this idea. And I, I started feeling like this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. And this is literally a phone relationship. You're on exactly. one coast, he's on another coast. It's a guy you've met through an alumni magazine. You're not even alumni of that school. Am I correct? Correct. Yes. I was the editor of the magazine. Uh, for I had been for about five years at that point. And uh, yeah, it was just a random connection. And, and I talked to, for my job, I talked to alumni constantly. And I had never felt that there was someone that I would stay in touch with in this way, you know, creatively with people I, I very much liked and enjoyed talking with, but there was no one that had ever seemed like someone I should work with. And he felt the same way. So it was very interesting. And you just started researching after you talked to him and you're, are you just a lifelong learner like that? And you just would just jump in and start researching because this is what a lot of reinventors say is that they say that, opportunities jump in front of them and you have to be ready to take them and that people who are not ready to take them miss these opportunities. Yeah. You know, I think I met him at a time when I was really ready to do something different. Uh, I think that that's fair to say if it had been a few years earlier, I had two small children. I think they were six and eight at the time. Uh, and I was sort of just coming out of that fog of, of parenthood of, of, you know, when you have young children and sort of everything revolves around them. I was starting to feel a little bit like I wanted to do something else for myself. And that happened to be when I met him. So I think I probably was more open to uh, a reinvention, although I wasn't thinking of it as a reinvention. I just thought, well, this would be really fun and really interesting. And how cool would this be to write a screenplay? Uh, so, and we spent, like you said, um, he was in California. I, I'm here in New Hampshire and we spent 
months talking on the phone at uh, late in the evening because for me, I had to wait till my kids were asleep. Uh, and, you know, it was a, a good time to talk. So I wouldn't disrupt the, the family life and, and so that our conversations wouldn't be disrupted. So frequently I was up till midnight working creatively and I'm, I'm not really sure how I did it, but it felt like something I really wanted to and needed to do. So you would have your full day with your family. You would yes, have your I had job. Yes, a full-time job. Yeah, full-time job. Working on this alumni magazine. Can we say what school it was? It was a private school? Uh, Yes, yeah, St. Paul's School in Concord, New Hampshire. Because you happened to live near there? Is that how you hooked up with that school and why you had that job, even though you were an alumni there? Yeah, uh, my husband, when I met him, he was a police officer in Concord, New Hampshire, and I was living in Boston, and I ended up moving up here. And I had known some friends in college who had attended St. Paul's, and, and I contacted them when I knew I was going to move to the state. And uh, I ended up getting a job. They they actually created a position for me. They were starting their first website. This dates me a little bit. They were starting their first website and they wanted me to to write for it, to, to draw parents and prospective families there. So that was that was my job originally. And, and eventually I became the editor of the alumni magazine. And then through the alumni magazine, as you're doing profiles on different um, alumni, you meet this person. Yes, definitely. Uh, and, and right away, like I said, we just sort of connected. It was, it was just interesting. I think I went home and I said to my husband, I feel like I met someone that I could work with, but I'm not sure he probably gets people asking him this, you know, and so I wasn't even going to say anything, honestly, but right. he did. He and ended him, up saying something. Yeah. Who, who's he, your husband? Or? Oh, per no, Perry Peter. ended up saying to me, uh, I, I said to him, hey, if you ever need someone to write about you again, you know, I'd be happy to. And he said, we should work together. But that and that's what I really had been thinking. But I thought, you know, maybe I, I shouldn't push it too far. Um, but I did sense that there was an opening for us to to maybe stay in touch. And interestingly enough, how do you know when to take something like that seriously also? Because, um, you know, there's a lot of times when these kinds of things come up and people say, you know, like you can't take these people seriously, especially, especially celebrities or, you know, it's like, right. Like they really yeah. want to work with like an average person. They really want to work with a normal person. You're not in Hollywood. You're a regular mom. Like, right. Wink, wink. Right. How do you, yeah, know? you know? Well, I mean, I think I could just tell that he was a very earnest person right away. Uh, and the based on our conversation, but I also think that, um, he, he told me right away that he found it very appealing that I wasn't someone who was on the inside in Hollywood. The fact that I didn't have any preconceived notions, that I wasn't coming into it feeling jaded in any way was very appealing. So he thought that working with someone fresh with new ideas who wasn't going to think, well, that won't work or this won't work or no one's going to take this seriously. I just went into it thinking, well, this is going to be great. This is going to be fun. And this is just what I need. That's great. So you worked in the evenings and how long did you guys work before you got an actual draft going? Yeah. So first we were working on this comedy and I was really learning how to be a screenwriter about, I think it was three or four months after we had been talking about this idea. Uh, he said, Hey, why don't you go off and write a scene, just one scene. And so I spent hours just writing this scene, but it, it actually really came naturally uh, somehow. And I was, you know, I was nervous to show it to him and I sent it to him. And his response was so great. It just made me feel 
like I'm on the right track here. Um, you know, someone who reads scripts all the time. And he said, you know, I, I think you're a natural at this. I think you should keep doing this and we should keep doing this. About a year into that project, um, we decided that we were going to sort of shelve that specific project and start focusing on something else. He had always wanted to film uh, a, a Western on his land in Northern California. He owns a ranch there, about 500 acres. And I came up with a story that would fit that setting. So it was a setting that fit what he wanted to do with a story that interested me. Uh, and we ended up starting that uh, in June of 2012. And by the end of January 2013, we had a full screenplay, which he consulted with me. We talked all the time and I wrote. And that's Did what you come up with, with the, the story idea or did yes. he come up with that or you come up with it together or how do you, how do you create something like that? Yeah. So he, uh, you know, he, we had talked about doing a father daughter story, setting it on the ranch. Um, and that was pretty much it. Uh, and I happened to be driving by myself and, you know, with those with small children know that time by yourself in the car is, is, uh, you know, limited. So I happened to be driving a couple of hours one day and all of a sudden I had this idea and all I knew right away was that it involved, um, a man on a ranch who was going to be Perry, who, um, was standing in front of a barn. He was contemplating it. He looked sort of a little bit forlorn, a little confused, and he enters it and you hear it scream and that's it. And I knew that this man, something terrible had happened there. I knew that this man was suffering from dementia. Um, and I knew that his daughter would come and they would reconcile. They were estranged. So that was pretty much all I knew right at the beginning. And it sort of developed from there. I, I sent him this email uh, about a week after I came up with the idea and it was a little more detailed at that point. And I told him about it and he thought it was great. And we, we spent a few months talking about it before I wrote the script. You spent, I'm sorry. What did you yeah, spend? I, oh, sorry. I spent only about, uh, we, I actually wrote the first draft of the script in three weeks. Wow. It was, uh, okay. yeah. And and when I say three weeks, it was not three weeks of someone sitting sequestered in an office. It was three weeks of, oh, everyone's occupied. I can, I can write my, do my writing right now. Or um, the kids are asleep. I can do my writing. Or someone's got a friend over. I can do my writing. So, um, or I wasn't at work. You know. So it was, it was really stolen time, uh, but it really came together very okay. quickly. Great. Yeah. And um, so then when you finally finished it, um, it was start to finish um, how long? And then how do you finally get to actually shooting? Yeah. So start to finish from, from when I came up with the idea to when the script, when I had a full draft of the script, it was uh, about eight months. Uh, and then it took a couple of years. So that, that all, that was at the, I finished this, the first draft of the script at the beginning of 2013. And we filmed the, the movie is called the divide. This is what we ended up doing. Uh, and we filmed it in the August and September of 2015. So there were a couple of years in there where 
we, we continued to talk about it, continued to refine the script, decided if we were really going to shoot this. That was another thing because, um, you know, taking the leap from doing this fun creative project to actually getting other people involved, getting a cast and crew together, um, you know, spending the money, didn't doing a little bit of fundraising. Um, that was, that took a couple of years. And there were times when I wasn't sure if we were actually going to film it, I think because it was a big leap. That was another leap to take. And that's where the expense comes in, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And um, Perry did finance quite a bit of it um, very, very generously. And, and he took a leap to, um, you know, we both sort of put ourselves out there um, and, and that we, we're really pleased with the result. So did he fund the movie and how long did it take to film yeah. and how did the yep. financing come about and, and uh, is the film yeah. out and when can people okay, yeah. go see it? <laughs> yeah. So uh, he funded most of it. Absolutely. Um, we did a, um, a pre-production Kickstarter campaign where we had a couple hundred contributors and that was really a great thing. That was in the fall of 2014. That really kicked it off because actually almost nobody in my life knew that I was even doing this. I was really, I'm, I'm a pretty open person, but I was really, I really closely guarded this because I was, I didn't want to share something that I was doing until I felt like I was ready to. And, and that was a, a departure for me. It felt like this should be something that I keep to myself and just have it be something that makes me happy and fulfilled. And then there came a point where it was like, I, I want to tell the world that I'm doing this. Um, so we did, uh, we did uh, fundraise a little bit. He funded it. We filmed uh, for about 28 days in August and September of 2015. And then the next two years were devoted to post-production. We there was editing going on. There was sound production. There was all. There were all sorts of other people involved. Um, and the film had, was finally complete in December of 2017. And this year, 2018, we call the year of the divide. And we have been on a festival circuit. And didn't it win some awards? Yeah, we're we're really uh, we've been blown away by the response to it. You know, people seem to re respond to this story of this um, man with Alzheimer's. Um, it has uh, it has appeared. Uh, it, okay, so it won the best Western, um, a platinum award at World Fest Houston. We won best dramatic feature at Arizona International Film Festival. Best feature film at Albuquerque Film and Music Experience, best feature film at Illinois International Film Festival, and a uh, best Western from the Los Angeles Film Awards. And I also got um, an award from Los, Los Angeles Film Awards for best first time screenwriter. Awesome. Which was and amazing. It's a, and it's a black and white film. Yeah. Which is really risky. <laughs> Absolutely. The film is set in 1976, um, and it's really a story of drought. It's a drought of the land, a drought in the characters' lives, a drought in the mind of Perry's character, Sam. Uh, and we felt that black and white, it was really a dream of Perry's to make a, a black and white film, but we really felt that black and white really just it set the mood of the film and it really was was honest to its its time period and the genre the sort of a classic 
Western. It's funny to me when I say Western, because I think a lot of people think it's shoot 'em up cowboys, but it's really right. not. It's really a dramatic story that takes place in a Western setting. There are horses. It's beautiful. The land is beautiful. Um, but it's really just a dramatic story, a strong, a story of the drama of ordinary life. And it does talk about Alzheimer's, which is, um, about, I guess would be relatable to the Covey crowd and their parents and what's going on with them. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So, um, the film, it, you know, since it's set in 1976, that was around the time when Alzheimer's became an actual, um, a named disease. And so we always get the question of in the film, the characters surrounding Sam, the, the one with dementia, um, they, they seem a little bit unsure of what's wrong with him. You know, they right. think he's getting senile, he's getting a little old, um, but they didn't really have a name to put on it. And so, um, that that's something that we like to talk about is that it's it's something that wasn't really known and as widely accepted as as a disease that was affecting people and right now it's much more prevalent right the the film actually in new mexico when we were there was endorsed by the new mexico chapter of the alzheimer's association wow and okay. we were so pr we were so proud of that um because they watched it and decided that it accurately portrayed somebody with the disease so wow. yes yeah so what do we say to and what can somebody who is trying to reinvent themselves take from all of this from your experience even if they're not a writer obviously if they're a writer the the message is hey you don't have to be you say they're writing you know copy or say they're writing um you know name tags or hang tag messages <laughs> You don't have to do just that. Look for openings and you can write other things. Obviously, you can be more than just, and I always believe that myself. I mean, there were many, many people who tried to tell me I was just a fashion copywriter and I couldn't write mm -hmm. anything else. Um, yeah. and, I, and if I believed that, I would have never, I'd still be writing just fashion copy, which was wonderful, but there were many other things to write. But what about um, just on the broader scale, about, I mean, one of the messages obviously is that you have to be open to the opportunities to reinvent when they present themselves and you have to um, accept them and jump on them when they present themselves. But what else that's concrete out there are the messages for the readers here who are trying to reinvent themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things, the biggest things is to listen to yourself. I think I spent a long time not listening to myself. Uh, I wanted to write a novel, for example. I wanted to be more creative. I wanted to do some different things. And I kept thinking, well, that's not what I do. Like you said, mm -hmm. you, you, you get a little bit pigeonholed into what you're doing. Um, not that I wasn't doing something that was great. It was a wonderful opportunity. And I became a better writer for everything, every moment that I spent writing um, for St. Paul's uh, made me a better writer. Uh, but you know, being, there was, Perry was the first person who told me that I could do more than I was doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the first person who believed that, um, mm -hmm. probably, you know, I'm sure my family believed that, but the first person outside that I probably believed. Um, mm -hmm. and so listening to that, that I could do more, that I could do more than write articles about other people, that I could create my own 
stories and follow my own vision. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say go through the open doors. Uh, listen to yourself. Um, you know, read, write. If you're a writer, you know, I look at writing is like a muscle. It, it's yeah. if you don't, if you if you stop going to the gym, you're not going to yeah. be in very good shape. And yeah. if you stop writing, then it's going to be harder to get back into it. So if you feel like for a writer, if you feel like you're a writer, then you should continue doing that. Um, One quick story. I recently, on my way to Albuquerque, I met a woman. I was sitting next to her on the plane. And she told me that she was an artist, but she also had a full-time job. And she wants to be a full-time artist. And she's trying to figure out how to do that. And I was talking to her about my story. And she told me, this is so inspirational. I can't believe I met you. I, I have to go do this. And I said, if this is what you're feeling, you've got to go do this. Cause the, I was terrified to leave my full-time job. Oh, um, did you leave the full-time job? I did. I left my full-time oh, job. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, right. Sorry. Right before I went out to California for filming where I left my family for six weeks, you know, that was, that was difficult too. Cause with, you know, I probably hadn't been away from my kids for more than a couple days at okay. a time. Um, yeah, so I left my full-time job. I actually stayed on as a freelancer. I still edit the alumni magazine, which is a great job to have. Um, okay. you know, I still continue writing every day, but, um, I was terrified. And my husband one day said to me, I think you should leave your job. And that was what I needed. I needed him to sort of tell me it was okay because I was so worried that it would, how it would impact our family financially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, following my dreams, does that, does that impact everyone so negatively? You know, I think a lot of people have this doubt, this self doubt, and it's legitimate. It really is. You know, are you going to sink your family by following your dreams? But it felt like the right time. He was supportive of it. And when I went in and I, you know, this had been coming, we had talked about that I was going to stay on as a freelancer, but when I went in and actually signed a letter of resignation, right. It was the best feeling in the world. I felt so light. I felt so amazing. This is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going on to do other things. Um, I'm so appreciative of what I've been doing and what I've had, but I'm going on to do something else. And it was, I just felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. How are you doing financially though? Are you able to, <laughs> to bring yeah. in other income? Absolutely. Yeah. I have other freelance clients. I am a freelance writer. I have, I'm the editor of the St. Paul's alumni magazine as a freelancer, but it gives me all sorts of freedom to do other creative things. So So you are, you are bringing another income as a result. Okay. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. No, I, I, I didn't just, uh, I didn't just sink into financial ruin. Definitely not. I, um, you know, we, we knew that we were in a good place to do it. It it seemed like the right time and having that support, um, in my family was really important. Great. I was the one who was doubting it, I think. Okay. (laughs) Wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about doing something like this and taking a leap into something else? And also, really, I mean, this is really a a big leap from what you were doing and taking a leap on somebody else who, you know, who extends a sort of lifeline out to you that might be kind of like a wacky opportunity or they might be crazy or it might be beyond belief that's, you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing like yeah. 
Drew Barrymore said they want to play with me. And you're like, you know, everybody around <laughs> you is going, yeah, right. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah, right. she called me on the phone the other day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think I would say follow your instincts. What else you want to say about it? Yeah, I would say follow your instincts uh, because my instinct was that this was a really good opportunity. Uh, you know, I didn't know. I mean, what Perry and I have both said when we started doing this, we didn't know that we'd end up with this um, with this film that people were going to respond to and we were going to win awards and it was going to be something that people were taking very seriously. We just both decided this is something we want to do. And so it was really following your instincts. Um, and, and that's all I can say. I mean, I don't f think I'm a, a, a naive person. I think um, it just seemed like a really legitimate opportunity to step outside of that proverbial comfort zone and do something that was different um, and something I'd really been needing to do. Um, I would say since then also, um, you know, it really opened me up creatively. I've written I have another screenplay that I've written with another um, friend in LA who I actually Great. met through the film, through the divide. Um, I have um, a novel that I've written that I'm um, hoping to get published. Um, and I'm starting to work on another script now. Um, so there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of creative um, pathways that have opened for me. Um, I also would like to say that if people want to um, look for our film, Right now, it's uh, it's seeking distribution. We have someone working on that, and I think that's going to happen um, either this fall or early next year. So that'll be very exciting. And um, it's going to be at some other festivals this fall. But the best place to find it is at thedividemotionpicture.com. Awesome. So people can find it there. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for your time and you're so inspirational. And I love seeing another Dana Hall girl do well. <laughs> thank you. I love I love all that you do too. I love all that you do too. Awesome. Bring your friends to Covey Club. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the CoveyCast. I hope you enjoyed our broadcast today with Jenna Brown, a former Dana Hall alumni. It's always so much fun. If you liked the CoveyCast, please go onto iTunes and give us a five-star review. We need to get everybody to download us, sign up, subscribe. That's how other people will find us. We really need your help with that. Otherwise, we're invisible to other women who need us. Please do that for us. It will really help. And we hope to see you again next time with more women who are reinventing themselves. And it is a wonderful time to do so. So come back to the Cubby Cast and learn how you can reinvent yourself. It is never too late.